Welcome to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small, your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Brought to you by LakeLink, your online fishing resource at lake-link.com. Outdoors Radio is also brought to you by Remy Battery, family owned and operated since 1931. Serving Milwaukee along with Escanaba and Houghton, Michigan. Let's start something. RemyBattery.com By Huntworth Gear, high-tech camo wear at a price you can afford. HuntworthGear.com And by Flow International, utility and recreational trailers where the rubber meets the road. FlowINTL.com I'm Dan Small. Today, Kurt Welke talks about his recent trip down the Mississippi River, Huck Finn style. Wendy Gelhoff invites listeners to hunt and enjoy fall colors and other fun in Florence County, Wisconsin. And Mojo decoy inventor Terry Denman returns with some tips on using spinning wing decoys for duck hunting. It's time now for the Madison Outdoors Report, presented each week by Pappas Trading Post, Southern Wisconsin's leading Matthews and Mission Archery retailer. They're located on Highway 14 west of Arena and on the web at Pappas Trading Post. And you hear this feature every week on WTSO, the Big 1070, and on our podcast on LakeLink, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. Joining us once again is Gene Dellinger. He is proprietor of DNS Bait and Tackle on Northport Drive, right there in Madison on the north shore of Lake Mendota. His website is dsbait.com, and his Facebook page, where you get a weekly fishing report posted every Friday morning, is DS Bait and Tackle. Well, Gene, thanks for joining us again. You bet. Not a problem. Hey, it's been pretty warm. I suppose we're not close to turnover yet on the lakes, are we? No, our water temperatures are still in the high 60s for the most part. Once in a while, even topping 70. So we're still quite a ways from turnover. Uh-huh. And we have not had any frost where I am here in southwest Wisconsin. I would imagine you're in the same boat there. Oh, yeah. We're, <clears throat> we're similar here. Yeah, I mean, so typically Indian summer is after a frost, but man, no frost, I don't know what you call it here. And I hear some people are saying their lilacs are blooming. and uh, uh, I haven't heard that one, but that, that would be strange. Yeah, yeah, one, uh, one gal stopped over the other day. Our, we have one big lilac bush. It did not bloom at all this year, so I'm going to keep an eye on it the next week or so and see if it thinks it's still spring. Well, um, what's going on? How's the fishing been? Uh, fishing traffic is down a little bit like it usually is this time of the year, not because fishing itself is so much tougher. It's just that people have a lot of things pulling at them this time of year. A lot of guys are getting in the woods or the kids are playing ball, things like that. So we definitely get less traffic, but the guys that are getting out are still doing, you know, having some success up here in Mendota. They're still chasing a few perch around. They've moved out into deeper water. They're out about 30, 35 feet of water even. Some walleyes, I've talked to some guys that get a few walleyes. They, they're kind of starting a fall pattern. They seem to be just kind of stacking up on some of the steeper breaks. It's what they usually do uh, in the fall, even though the water temps don't really lead us to believe it's fall. The fish are still heading that way. And as far as the muskie bite goes on the chain, I think it started to pick up a little bit, but it's been rather disappointing so far this late summer and fall from what I hear from the guys that are, you know, out on the water on a regular basis. Yeah. How about smallmouths on Mendota? Um, even that's been a little tough, I guess, is the word. Of the guys I have talked to that kind of cracked it a little bit this last week, they were fishing some deeper water out where the smaller perch have been schooling up out on some of the flats on the west side of the lake at about 30 feet of water. They were just dragging some, some rigs through there with some minnows or 
piece of crawler on them. And they were picking up a few smallmouth out there. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, Monona, what do you hear from there? Well, the bluegill bite has been a little slower this time of the year like it usually is. Usually this time of the year the fish get a little tougher to come by until after turnover. Then they then they seem to move up into the bays and stuff to get pretty active. Guys will start throwing bobbers again, but we just haven't gotten to that point yet. So the guys that are out looking around, they're looking on the weed lines, they're looking out a little bit further out on some of the mud flats out in about 20 feet of water. They're picking up a few fish. It's just it's just not a crowd pleaser by any means at the moment, at least not there. Okay. Uh, bass on Monona? <clears throat> Uh, even them have been a little tough. I talked to some guys I know that like to fish bass this time of the year, and the reason they like to is because a lot of those largemouth and stuff move in around the piers and on the shorelines this time of the year, and, and they just haven't shown up there in big numbers yet, so they, they seem to be struggling a little bit to put together much of a bag when they go out looking for for, for a bass anywhere on the chain, to be honest with you. Uh-huh. Okay. What do you hear from Kiganza? Kiganza, I got a couple guys that I talk to on a regular basis. They've been getting some nice perch and bluegills down there, but it's pretty sporadic. Sometimes they put together a nice bag, you know, between the two of them, they might get 30 or 15, but on some other days it's pretty much a struggle. I said, it's some pretty small little spots that seem to be holding the number of fish. And if you can get into those spots and the fish come by, you can do pretty good. And they're getting some perch and some bluegills. And they seem to be kind of shallow, like seven, eight feet of water for the most part. Uh-huh. Uh, some of the guys I talked to have been out on some of the cribs on the lake there. They've been getting a few walleyes out of that area, but some smaller fish. Uh-huh. Now, your last fishing report uh, a week ago or so mentioned yellow bass um, on Kiganza. I guess that's a yeah, pretty yeah, good they, population. They, they, yeah, the same guys that I was talking to mm-hmm. about the, with the bluegills and perch have been picking up a few yellow bass. Um, they're not big. They're seven, eight inches, maybe nine, some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not getting tons of them. They'll get eight, ten of them in an outing. So they're just starting to kind of show up. Now, what are they if people have never seen or heard of them? Well, they look like a white bass, only they're much, their their stripes are much more pronounced. They're much darker and, and a little more solid. And they do literally have a bit of a yellow flesh to their belly meat. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, otherwise, they... They bite like white bass? Do they school like white bass? Oh, yeah, no, they'll school. They behave very similar to white bass. Uh-huh, okay. You also mentioned Kashkanong on your fishing report. Some guys that know down there have been fishing the river, the Rock River, both on either side of the lake. Um, they've been getting some, uh, some nice-sized bluegills around the piers and stuff. And uh, up on the north end or above the lake, they've been getting a few walleyes up by the dam and some white bass up there, too. And actually, blue uh, Almost forgot. I talked to guys been getting some nice crappies up that way. Oh, I don't have any. I don't have any specifics on where they're at. I yeah. just hear that. Yeah, yeah. Now, Kashkanong is connected to the Madison Chain um, uh, by the river, isn't it? Yeah, it's a pretty convoluted connection. It, it, I don't think that there's any sort of migration uh-huh. that goes back and forth. The Yahara River does eventually run into the Rock River, but it's south of Lake Kashkanong. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got. I got to get my geography straight on this. So. Um, well, how about Lake Wisconsin? Uh, you know what? I've been talking to a few guys up there, and uh, to be honest with you, I think they're struggling. I, I, the, the guys that are walleye fishing are still dragging crankbaits fairly shallow. Uh, the fish really haven't moved out into the deeper haunts yet, which they typically do in the fall. So uh, most of the guys, I think, are struggling a bit, to be honest with you. Uh-huh. Harmony Grove is usually pretty good this time of year, isn't it? It is, and I, they've caught some nice gills up there a couple times. Um but that's, again, that's one of those spots that you just have to keep checking, and once in a while it pays off, you know. Yeah, okay. How about the river itself? Uh, I talked to a couple guys about fishing up in the river above the lake, and they've been getting some smallmouth. Uh, nothing 
spectacular, but uh, I guess the action has been decent. No, no big fish, but but quite a few. Uh huh. Okay. Anything from other local lakes, uh, the smaller lakes, Crystal and those? I have not heard much on Crystal Lake at all. No, and uh, Rock Lake has been pretty quiet here the last week, ten days. Yeah. They were getting some nice gills there, but that's quieted down quite a bit. Okay, I noticed on your Facebook page you've got a stack of uh, ice augers, so you're stocking up for ice fishing already there. Well, it's starting to come in, so I thought I'd put it on the floor. The way the way inventory and things have been this year, if you've got something, I guess you may as well put put it out, give somebody a chance to buy it before it's gone. Uh huh. So is the supply chain affecting your business as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah, in many areas. Lots of reels are difficult to catch to get. A lot of the rod manufacturers were shipping very poorly this year. St. Croix was terrible, in my opinion, for me anyway. Yeah. Um, And uh, the ice fishing thing, I think we're going to start out with a pretty good selection, but I think refills are going to be terrible. Uh huh. Okay, so people ought to jump on it right now and gear up for ice, even though well, ice. If is... there's something they want and they see it, they should probably buy it because by the time they're prepared to buy it, it might not be available. Uh huh. Okay. Well, how about bait? Can you get bait? Bait hasn't been a problem. Uh huh. Excellent. Well, Gene, thanks so much for that report. Uh, we hope that the, the fishing gets better and better on the chain as it usually does in fall, and we'll check in with you again. Sounds good. Thanks for the call. You bet. Gene Dellinger, proprietor of DNS Bait and Tackle on Northport Drive in Madison. His website, dsbait.com. And on Facebook, as we mentioned, every Friday morning he posts a new fishing report, and that's DS Bait and Tackle. This was the Madison Outdoors Report, presented by Pappas Trading Post, Southern Wisconsin's leading Matthews and Mission archery retailer, west of Arena on Highway 14, and online at Pappas Trading Post. I'm Dan Small. More Outdoors Radio right after this. Pappas Trading Post is Southern Wisconsin's number one Matthews and Mission archery retailer. Located just west of Arena on Highway 14, they have a full-service pro shop, a 40-yard indoor range, a large selection of archery accessories, and a full assortment of Matthews apparel. Their expert staff can tune your bow for top performance. Gear up for bow season at Pappas Trading Post. Look for the two giant arrows and stop at Pappas Trading Post on Highway 14 west of Arena or visit PappasTradingPost.com. Get outside and let us be your guide. Lawrence County, Wisconsin. Are you looking for a safe Northwoods destination for outdoor recreation? Florence County has over 200,000 acres of uncrowded public land with 160 miles of wooded ATV trails, many lakes and rivers to fish or paddle, seven wild river waterfalls to hike to, horse trails with campgrounds, and friendly bars and restaurants. Go to the exploreflorencecounty.com lodging, dining, and recreation tabs to plan your trip. If you're ever in a car or motorcycle accident, call Hupley and Abraham, named Best Personal Injury Law Firm by the Wisconsin Law Journal, year after year. The firm of Hupley and Abraham has collected more than a billion dollars for its clients. In fact, they collect millions of dollars every month for hundreds of satisfied clients. Call the firm Voted Best and Rated Best, Hupley and Abraham, 800-800-5678, or visit hupie.com and all 11 offices of Hupie and Abraham in Wisconsin, Iowa, and Illinois are open for business. Well, Jeff Kelm joins me once again from his home in Wisconsin Rapids and home from the last tournament of the year, I understand. Jeff, how did that go, the World Walleye Championship? Yeah, three-day event in Lake City, Minnesota on the mighty Mississippi River. Uh, it, w- it went 
It went well. Um, we had 31 teams competing at that event, $120,000 in cash and prizes. And, uh, first place, uh, ended up being Peter and Ted Mart from Utica, Minnesota, not very far away from where we were in Lake City. And, um, they, uh, qualified through the 2020 season as a father son team. And, uh, they're kind of, uh, they're not super flashy. They're very quiet. Um, they fish hard. They, they, they know the river very well. Um, and, uh, and honestly, they've really, uh, they've come in as river rats, but they've done very well on the, the big water bites as well. They've done well on Erie and Huron, um, in the past couple of years. And so it's not surprising that they, uh, would put themselves in a position to win a world walleye championship, especially being on the river. But, um, yeah, they came in, they, they, uh, had the first place, uh, bag first, second and third, uh, day of the event and, uh, took home, about twenty, about twenty-seven thousand dollars worth of cash and prizes. So, um, not a bad haul. Absolutely, and that's really something to be leading from uh, the start to the finish. That rarely happens, does it? Doesn't it? Yeah, it's it really rarely happens on a three-day event. Um, it's just so difficult to do with the caliber of 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 uh, anglers that you have out on the water when you give them three days. After their, you know, probably seven days prior to that, figuring out a bite, um, usually you get caught. But uh, they had the right bites, and they were catching fish right in front of everybody else. Huh. They were just uh, kind of a spot on the spot. Nobody else could figure it out. Well, good for them. Congrats to them. And I bet you are happy that you're done for the season. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's always uh, kind of bittersweet. I I, I love uh, I love doing the events, but you know by the end of the season I'm ready to to switch gears. You get some of this change in the weather and stuff as you know it feels like deer hunting instead of fishing, and um, that's what I'm that's about ready to start focusing on. All right. Well, I'm speaking of deer hunting. Uh, this week I am up in Bayfield County, and I'm actually working for the first time I think in. Uh, at least in recent memory, uh, from my Explorer. This is my studio <laughs> for today's show. I'm sitting here with my microphone on my lap and my laptop on the console, and seems to be working, and we hope the show sounds the same to folks who are listening. Uh, I'm up shooting some video for this year's Deer Hunt Wisconsin uh, TV special. It's going to air about a month from now, and some video for next year's special as well. My son John is here, and... Michael Murphy from Whitetail Sanctuary Solutions and John's friend Alex Blaine and we walked the property. Uh, Michael had some great ideas, but he, he loved the property. I mean, we've owned it for 45 years. We know what we've got. We thought it was good, but he told me, you know, I wasn't really impressed when I looked at the aerial photos and the online stuff. I, but when I saw the density of your woods and you got some high spots where you can uh, create some buck sanctuaries that's what he does some buck bedding areas and some food plots i think you're going to be happy with the results so that's been uh that's been uh, what we've been up to so far and this weekend john and i are fishing in the treeland premier musky fly fishing championship on the chippewa flowage we're fishing with two-time winner and fellow world record holder brad bowen so we've got high hopes of doing well and we'll report on that on next week's show um and uh, of course on facebook as well and gosh, we've been selling goats. We sold our two adult bucks recently. We sold a, a couple of does. We've got two beautiful doe kids left available and our little buckling for the year available. And 
you know, if anyone is interested, just message me on Facebook. Uh, Facebook is up again. It was down for a, uh, a day early in the week. And uh, let me know. Well, coming up, retired DNR fisheries biologist Kurt Welke talks about his recent 10-day float down the Mississippi. He actually started near Lake City uh, over on the uh, Wisconsin side at uh, Alma, and he floated down to Dubuque, and we've got a two-part interview with him once. Uh, we'll talk to him this week and next week. Mojo decoy inventor Terry Denman returns with some tips on using spinning wing decoys, this time for ducks. And we'll kick things off with Wendy Gelhoff. She's the director of Florence County Economic Development, talking about the great hunting and other fall fun up in Florence County, Wisconsin. All that and more straight ahead here on Outdoors Radio. Since our inception, Huntworth has worked relentlessly to incorporate innovative technologies and forward-thinking design into affordable camouflage apparel. Our gear, designed with the disruption camel pattern, utilizes computer-generated graphics featuring a high level of random and abstract visual noise to help you remain undetected in the environment. So whether you need the latest in hunting gear technology or clothing that just simply fits your lifestyle, Huntworth Gear is what you're looking for. HuntworthGear.com. That's HuntworthGear.com. Get outside and let us be your guide. Florence County, Wisconsin. Are you looking for a safe Northwoods destination for outdoor recreation? Florence County has over 200,000 acres of uncrowded public land with 160 miles of wooded ATV trails, many lakes and rivers to fish or paddle, seven wild river waterfalls to hike to, horse trails with campgrounds, and friendly bars and restaurants. Go to the ExploreFlorenceCounty.com lodging, dining, and recreation tabs to plan your trip. Flow has made world-class recreational and utility trailers for 39 years, and the industry-leading innovations keep on coming. Choose an all-aluminum UT model or CargoMax, the only utility trailer with a molded polymer bed, integrated sides, and an engineered aluminum frame. With either one, you'll know you don't have just any old trailer. If a new trailer's on your mind, check out floeintl.com. Flow trailers, where the rubber meets the road. Pappas Trading Post is Southern Wisconsin's number one Matthews and Mission archery retailer. Located just west of Arena on Highway 14, they have a full-service pro shop, a 40-yard indoor range, a large selection of archery accessories, and a full assortment of Matthews apparel. Their expert staff can tune your bow for top performance. Gear up for bow season at Pappas Trading Post. Look for the two giant arrows and stop at Pappas Trading Post on Highway 14 west of Arena or visit PappasTradingPost.com. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Thanks for joining us on Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. Florence County, Wisconsin offers thousands of acres of county, state, and national forest lands, and they've got some wild rivers, hundreds of miles of ATV, UTV trails, and lots more. And you can learn about all of these uh, places to go and things to do in Florence County at exploreflorencecounty.com. And joining us now to talk about some of the things we can do this fall in Florence County is Wendy Gelhoff. She's director of Florence County Economic Development. She was on the show a couple weeks ago talking about some of this uh, fun we can have up there. And if you missed that, you can still listen to it online at lake-link.com slash DSO radio. Just click on show 1637. Well, Wendy, welcome back. 
Nice to be on today, Dan. Well, thanks for joining us again. The fall colors must be just about at their peak now, aren't they? I would say they are. This weekend will probably be the peak. And depending on what color shades you like uh, in different parts of the county, of course, it's, it's lots to see still. Still a lot of reds and oranges, and the, the yellows are just starting to come. Uh-huh. I'm kind of uh, big on uh, oak uh, leaves, you know, the russet colors. I, I like that mixed in with the maple. Oh, sure. Yeah. So uh, you've yep. got a rustic road, uh, what is it, number 74, that's really neat for fall color travel? Yes, that's gorgeous. It's out in the Shugamigan Nicolay National Forest, uh, 32.5 miles down in Sense Township. It is gravel, so just be aware of that, but it uh, winds through uh, the deep part of the national forest that uh, doesn't have much else in it, so it's beautiful. Um, a lot of the maples, hardwoods, uh, some oak as well, and of course uh, the Popple River winds its way through that area too. There is a, um AT accessible, ATV accessible campground down there as well, which is unusual in the national forest. Yeah, nice. Um, and speaking of colors, uh, Kai's Peak gives you a view of uh, a lot of uh, forest around, uh, doesn't it? That is a wonderful spot. You can get up there um, by car or UTV. ATV trail goes up there as well. Or if you're adventurous, you can hike up the ski hill uh, from the lodge down on Highway 101. But that has a broad vista, um, great area for seeing the fall colors. There's kind of a lake down at the bottom. So especially on a blue sky day, you get the blue water, the blue sky, and all the beautiful colors. It's a great spot for photographs. Nice. And I would imagine the waterfalls are scenic this time of year. They're scenic any time of year, but with fall colors, they're especially pretty, aren't they? I would say some of our best photos are definitely when there's different shades of yellows and oranges in the background. It's a great time. Um, you know, bugs are non-existent this time of year, so it's a great time for a waterfall hike. And uh, two of the best ones are accessible by ATV as well. Uh, Sal Falls is 22 feet. And Breakwater Falls is 60 feet. Mm-hmm. Yep, and we've talked about Breakwater Falls a number of times. It is a spectacular view, a spectacular place to visit. Well, you've got some um, activities coming up in October, don't you? Uh, a youth pheasant hunt, for one. Right, CAMO, which is uh, actually a statewide organizational um, called Kids and Mentors Outdoors. Our youth, our chapter, our Florence chapter, is hosting a youth pheasant hunt. And that is the weekend of October 16th on Saturday. It's free to kids 7, I'm sorry, 10 to 17, limited to 25 kids, uh, boys and girls of those ages. You register at 8.30. Lunch will be provided at noon, and parents can pick up their children no later than 1 p.m. Um, everything is provided, so you don't have to bring a gun or anything. Um, they've got the orange vests and everything you need. I would imagine pre-registration is required or helpful, right? Right. To pre-register, uh, it's on our website, the information of who to call, uh, exploreforestcounty.com, down at the bottom under events. You'll be able to click there and get all the information you need. Okay. And do you have to be a Florence County resident to do that? No. No, you do not. No, they just want to get people out um, in order to expose youth to hunting in all of its forms. Um, it does say on their poster that you must have a hunter safety course. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, kids can take that as young as 10 years old nowadays. Right. Okay. Well, yeah, and Camel's a great program. We've done a number of TV shows with uh, Mark Walters and uh, and the folks at Camel. And uh, so, uh, folks, uh, if you're interested in getting your kids into pheasant hunting, what a great opportunity this would be. And speaking of, uh, yes, definitely. Speaking of wild game, uh, there's a wild game feed coming up, isn't there? 
Yes, that's down at Les Sports Bar, which is three miles south of Lawrence on Highway 101. Uh, that's the following Saturday, Saturday, October 23rd. It starts at 11.30, and it lasts until the food is gone, um, $7 a plate. And all the proceeds from this event go to uh, American Legion Post 211 here in Florence. So it's a great cause. And typically, what do they serve? Um, they did venison, um, you know, fish, gross. They pretty much get a little bit of everything. Every year is a little bit different depending on who brings um, meat, you know. So it, it, it's, you know, might even have some elk for depending on the year. <laughs> but it, it does vary. <laughs> nice. Okay. And you mentioned grouse. Um, I'm actually coming up there with uh, a crew to do some grouse hunting later this month. Um, you're one of the better places in the state to do that, aren't you? We are lucky with our, our Florence County State um, County Forest. They've got 36,000 acres, and that is primarily uh, a lot of aspen habitat, and it's uh, sustainably managed um, through harvest, so it has a different vari- variation of ages as far as the aspen stands, and um, most folks know that that younger aspen from 5 to 20 years old is some of the best habitat for grouse, and we've constantly got a rotation of where those good sites are. Um, we've also got some lowland brush areas that are good for woodcock. Um, I've actually, if you pull up the S flight on the Wisconsin DNR website, the Field and Forest Lands Inventory Game Bird Hunting Tool. Mm-hmm. It shows you the layers, and um, the, the pink layers are scattered. You can you can actually see that it is scattered well across our county forest. Um, if if you visit our um, visitor center at the front desk, they've got a neat pamphlet that's called the Florence County Hunter Walking Trails, and it shows there's uh, eight different trails that are. Um, winding through these different county forest areas that are also seeded with clover and such, so it, it, it's great habitat for all sorts of wildlife for that matter, but it's it's a good place to start as far as grouse, county, uh, grouse hunting, like Halls Creek or Bush Lake Flats are two of the better ones. Those trail networks are 10 miles long and 11 miles long, respectively. Yeah, cool. Yeah, uh, walking trails are great for grouse hunting because you can stay in the open and send your dog into the brush or your uh, your younger partner. I've done both of those things. So yeah. we'll be doing <laughs> some of idea. that. We'll be doing some of that real soon. That's well, awesome. uh, we haven't said much about fishing, but boy, fall is when the muskies really usually turn on. Is that the case up your way? That is a, the case, definitely. And there's two good flowages, the Brule River flowage, which is 300 acres, and the Twin Falls Flowage, which was 570 acres, and those two places are some of the better muskie fishing in our county. Um, the Twin Falls Flowage has a border water as well, so if you only had a Michigan license, for instance, you could still fish there. Um, so those are definitely two good places to check out for muskies in this area. All right. Well, and I'm sure there's a lot more going on, but um, we'll send folks to your website to get more information. That would be great. ExploreFlorenceCounty.com. We've got lodging, dining, and all the recreational information on that one site. As well as, if you're up in our area, the visitor center is located at the corner of U.S. Highway 2 and Highway 70. Um, that has all the different forestry agencies housed within as well. The county forest experts, the DNR folks, and the U.S. Forest Service people um, have offices there. So our front desk is pretty well educated on all the different um, information they, they have as well. All right. Well, Wendy, thanks so much for sharing that and uh, giving away a few secrets about grouse hunting trails. I'll be up there with a crew, and we're going to hike some of those trails and maybe take a few of your grouse home with us in a couple weeks. That would be great. We're looking forward to it, Dan. All right. We'll see you soon. Thank you very much.
Thank you. Wendy Galhoff is Director of Florence County Economic Development, and you can learn more about everything we talked about here at exploreflorencecounty.com. I'm Dan Small, more Outdoors Radio, right after this. Listen to more Outdoors Radio online at dansmalloutdoors.com. Welcome back to your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. If you ever read Mark Twain's Adventures of Huckleberry Finn and wondered what it would be like to float down the Mississippi River on a raft, then I think you'll be interested in what my next guest has to share with us. Joining me now is retired Wisconsin DNR fisheries biologist Kurt Welke. He recently completed a nine-day trip down the Mississippi from Alma, Wisconsin to Dubuque, Iowa, and he's going to tell us all about it. Well, Kurt, welcome to the Outdoors Radio Network, and thanks for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. You bet. Now, why did you do this? Well, it started when I retired, and um, at a retirement party, little to my knowledge, my daughter, who was handling registrations, had kind of clandestinely solicited all the people who were invited to my party uh, and told them that I had this kind of desire to do the huck fin float down the river continuum in order to kind of reconnect. Uh, both with the resource and with the people who were part of my career while I was stationed in Prairie du Chien. Mm-hmm. And uh, at my retirement party, after being kind of abused by my brother as the MC, at the very end of our little program, my brother hands me a check for a pretty considerable sum of money. He says, go build that boat. Uh-huh. So that was the impetus to make the dream into a, a, a reality. Uh-huh. Oh, cool. So you did work on the river uh, professionally. Yeah, in 1988, I had the good fortune of being stationed at Prairie du Chien, Wisconsin, and I was the fisheries biologist uh, there until, uh, I think, about August of 2000 when I returned to Madison and took up a different set of responsibilities here in Dane County. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, and you mentioned boats. So you weren't on a raft, but this was a boat that you outfitted, especially for this trip. Tell us about it. Well, what I did is I found an old pontoon boat up in Montello, Wisconsin, that was just kind of out in some guy's old boneyard. And I arranged to um, have him delivered down to Gaze Mills, which is where I have a cabin in the hills of southwestern Wisconsin. So this fellow brought down this 24-foot-long tired pontoon boat, and over the course of a few years, we basically just took it down to a deck. So imagine an aircraft carrier, mm-hmm. nothing above the water. So what I've got now, Dan, is a two-pontoon, a stern to mono motor, and a 24-by-8 surface. Okay. And with the, help, with the help of my brother and my good friend Jim Corkery, who is my floating mate, over the course of a couple of years, we constructed essentially a living space, if you will, or a, a functional space. So we have a, a, you know, a navigation station, the helm, and we've got our depth finder and our, um, you know, navigation light control and all the things that we need to, to be able to actually run the river. But then we've got a, a cook station, a cleaning station for washing dishes, you know, making a cup of coffee. We've got uh, a journaling station. 
I've also got this thing out there with just 12 volt light, so it's convenient. So if we want to, if you need light, you can. And we put a uh, greenhouse um, type of hoops over it, so we look like a floating kind of stove or wagon. <laughs> you imagine a hoop, a, a hoop house where you buy your plants in the spring. Yeah. Yeah. Put, that, put that hoop house on top of a floating raft, and we, we look like a loaf of bread coming down the river. Is what we look like. <laughs> Fantastic! Yeah, we've got a hoop house. I know very well what they're like, and uh, that would keep the rain off, which you didn't have, and uh, would probably keep you pretty yeah, warm. Well, the nice thing is, is as we came out of Alma, we had our yeah, Alma, we had beautiful weather, but I think it was on Sunday night, perhaps. Um, there was a squall developing, and I told Jim, I said, we we got to make for sure. We don't have the luxury of being able to choose islands now because the clock is ticking. This is like the Packers in the in the two-minute drill, you yeah, know. Yeah. So uh, we quick made it to the Wisconsin side, and we're able to get our tents up quickly on a sandbar. And the minute we got the tents up, we retreated back to the boat, and it came with a vengeance yeah. for about half an hour. It, it came down hard and fast. But here we are underneath this you know, canopy, if you will, this this dome, and it's raining and casting dogs outside, but we're snug as bugs in a rug on the boat and just watching the weather unfold. And as things would have it, half hour later, the sun came out, the clouds parted, the temperature came back up, things dried off, and we were back in on easy street. Uh-huh. Cool. Now, you mentioned Jim. Uh, Huck Finn had a partner on his float, Jim, as well. Uh, <laughs> how did you and your Jim get along? <laughs> oh, Jim and I were, were like Mutt and Jeff. Um, we complement each other really well, both uh, in terms of division of labor, but also in our interests and our, our, our frames of references. I mean, Jim comes from an Iowa farm boy and construction background. He was a, a mechanical engineer. And of course, I'm, you know, have a biology and natural resource thing. So, um, we're able to approach things, him with an enthusiasm to learn. And me, if I, um, you know, the, the nuts and bolts of navigation and stuff are a little bit more, um, structured. And it, we, we, we just work together hand in glove. It was really pleasant. Plus, you know, we, we were gifted with good weather. No bugs, and um, I'm a cook, and Jim loves food. And it was my pleasure to cook as long as he did the dishes. So we had, I mean, we ate venison loin, and we had, first night out, we had brown trout that my brother gifted us for dinner, wild mushrooms from my wife's fall harvest, and it was just, it was, it was easy living with a, with a giant smile on the end of it. Yeah, so you took quite a stock of food along. Um, uh, did did a you? A couple of coolers, actually. Right there, Dan. This is from you know, um, when we were kids, if you remember. My grandfather taught me this trick where you freeze everything. So Monday we have, let's say, chicken, or Tuesday we have pork. And you take it as frozen, but you wrap it in newspaper. And that really extends its, its, its shelf life. And you put it in a cooler that you only use for dinner. If you've got a beer cooler, you're opening that all the time. You lose heat. But if you've got your your long-term perishables and you're only opening it to get dinner out, you know, at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, that stuff stays cold and, and, and secure for quite a while. We really only had to re-ice a couple of times along the continuum. Ah, well, that's great. That's uh, That's good advice. And, you know, people... Uh, people can learn from that in in uh, packing for camping trips or extended hunting trips as well. Well, uh, what you also find along the river is that there is no 
dearth of people who will not give you the shirt off their back. If you needed ice or you needed petroleum or you needed, you know, whatever you want, I don't care where you lay up, and especially on the Iowa side, it's probably more pronounced. People are gracious and giving and generous and, and well-adjusted and positive, and they make the experience all together. I mean, certainly nature is beautiful, but the people just kind of are the, you know, the, the thread that binds it all together. Oh, that's cool. Now, what what did you have for a motor on that boat? We've got a 90-horsepower Mercury 2007 uh, two-stroke engine. And I'm happy to report that um, at 182 miles, we gassed up twice. Once we got 19 gallons and once we got 15 gallons. We we averaged about uh, three and a half miles, four miles perhaps per gallon. Mm-hmm. But we were just putzing. We, we go about six miles per hour was our running speed. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we, we traveled routinely in a day. We, we start about 10.30 in the morning. We want to make camp by 4.30. We do about 20. 20, 25 miles in a day would be an average day. Uh-huh. And did you uh, sleep on the boat, or did you sleep in that tent that you set up on sandbars? We sandbarred the whole time because um, it just seemed that it's nice to get on level ground. Plus, we want to have fires every night. There's, there's you know, all sorts of driftwood everywhere. So sure. we typically find a nice level sandbar that was windswept that had a good view of the sky. The stars this time of year were just absolutely amazing. I mean, I wish I knew my astronomy um, because you could see every constellation <laughs> every constellation on the mankind out there. It's, it's, the sky is, is worth the price of admission alone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, now, the Mississippi is, is pretty low this year. Was that an issue? Um, no, you know, what we found out is the navigation charts that the Corps of Engineers provide certainly tell you about 85% of what you need to know. Mm-hmm. But I coupled that up with a kind of a mid-range, I think I have a Hummingbird Helix 5, mm-hmm. which, loads, which loads the bathymetric charts. And you can offset you can offset the water level. I, I, I tell the machine, subtract two feet of water uh-huh. from, from the chart. Yeah. So that it gives me a more accurate reading of depth. And then all we really have to concern about is if we go over a closing dam, which closes off the side channel, that we just approach it judiciously and under control and kind of combination of using the electronics and the paper chart and then what your eye sees just to make sure we don't put ourselves in jeopardy because the one, the one issue with the houseboat is it's big and it's heavy and if you were to get yourself in a place where you couldn't extract yourself, you don't have the ability to really back up per yeah. se. It, yeah. it just you know it, it goes one way really good, but not so much backwards. <laughs> okay. Well, Kurt, we're running out of time for today. Would you uh, join us again next week and tell us more about your adventure down the Mississippi? And I would love to, uh, and only because uh, I think as you and I talked about before, this while well, was I was fortuitous and had a great opportunity to share time with my friend. This opportunity is open to anybody who really wants to see that Wisconsin has this incredible bounty to offer. Cool. Well, we will continue this conversation next week. Folks, I'm talking with Kurt Welke. He's a retired DNR, Wisconsin DNR fisheries biologist, about his trip down the Mississippi. And we'll pick it up again next week. I'm Dan Small. More Outdoors Radio right after this. Here's a message from our friends at Remy Battery in Milwaukee, Escanaba, and Houghton. 
As Remy Battery enters the 90th anniversary of our company, we want to thank all of our customers and friends we have made over the years. Thank you for your continued support to our local, family-owned company. We invite you to our newly remodeled Milwaukee retail store on the corner of 43rd Street and Lincoln Avenue. We have batteries from the largest military crafts to the smallest hearing aids. Big and small, we have them all. Stop in for a free battery and electrical check before you hit the road, trails, or the waters. Don't forget to ask your sales representatives about volume pricing. Call Remy at 414-384-0340 or visit online at remybattery.com for all your battery and battery accessory needs. For the nonprofit Ruffed Grouse Society, the well-being of the Ruffed Grouse and American Woodcock is a special priority. But the Society's conservation work benefits more than just these two game birds. The organization's programs help a long list of other young forest wildlife, including songbirds that must have thick, brushy habitat to survive. For more information about forest wildlife habitat management, contact the Ruffed Grouse Society toll-free at 888-JOIN-RGS. Pappas Trading Post is Southern Wisconsin's number one Matthews and Mission archery retailer. Located just west of Arena on Highway 14, they have a full-service pro shop, a 40-yard indoor range, a large selection of archery accessories, and a full assortment of Matthews apparel. Their expert staff can tune your bow for top performance. Gear up for bow season at Pappas Trading Post. Look for the two giant arrows and stop at Pappas Trading Post on Highway 14 west of Arena or visit PappasTradingPost.com. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. Recently, I had Terry Denman on the show. He's an engineer and a professional hunter from Louisiana. And we talked about the spinning wing decoy, the mojo decoy that he had a hand in inventing. And we got going so well on that conversation that we ran out of time. So I've asked him to join us again. And uh, Terry, I appreciate you coming back and uh, spending a little more time with us. Glad to be here, Dan. Well, now, we talked about using spinning wing decoys for doves and pigeons. And... uh, uh, you, you had a show recently that aired uh, in, in late August uh, on a pigeon hunt in the Texas Panhandle. Um, that was quite a hunt, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it, it was. Uh, I love pigeon hunting, uh, by the way. I've hunted pigeons in several places in, in North America and in South America, too. Uh, but, but, but they're a great bird to hunt. And the, the Texas Panhandle is one of the several spots around the United States where pigeons tend to uh, uh, do well, congregate. It's a good place to hunt them, but you kind of, you can hunt them most anywhere there's agricultural land or, uh, actually you can hunt them all around big cities. You know, they tend to congregate around big cities, but it's a great game bird. Yep. Uh, and they're good eating too. Yeah. <laughs> they are. Yeah. Uh, we did a show a few years ago in Idaho and the guy that was, uh, hosting us, he had a chef come out in the field and cook pigeon for lunch. And, uh, yeah, I, I've, uh, I've hunted them when the doves aren't flying and the pigeons are. And I was out in uh, North Dakota a few years ago, uh, gosh, probably 10 years ago on a hunt. And we shot pigeons just, you know, during the middle of the day when the ducks weren't flying. And the guys were just 
leaving them lay there in the field. And I said, no, those are good eating. And I made them pick them up, and uh, they, you know, uh, breasted out a bunch, and, and I took some home, too, along with my ducks. I think, I don't know if I converted anybody, but, I mean, it, it's just a big dove, basically. That's correct. That is correct. Actually, in Europe, where they came from, they are not native to the United States. They were brought over by the earliest European uh, settlers. And the dove, that, I mean, the pigeons that we are hunting is uh, are feral pigeons that came from those domesticated pigeons. But over in Europe, and uh, especially in North Africa, they still call them a dove. They don't call them a pigeon. So yeah. I guess they must be a pretty close cousin to the dove. Yeah, they are. And at one time, their name was Rock Dove, and I think it's... I don't know if it's Rock Pigeon now. You know, the official uh, bird book name for them. Um, well, yeah, that, that's, that's what they call them, a rock dove. Yeah. So uh, what other shows have you got coming up? Well, uh, in our shows, uh, uh, Dan, we, uh, we we travel around the world, uh, North America more than any other place, but, but around the world. And uh, we are in the waterfowl block in both of those stations that you mentioned uh, in the third and fourth quarter, which is the last half of the year. So those shows will always be uh, uh, bird shows of some type, uh-huh. uh, decoying. Mostly. We're mostly into decoying birds. And then in quarters one and two on the Sportsman Channel, we're not in the – they don't have a waterfowl block at that time. So if we're going to do uh, big game hunting, we do a lot of predator hunting, uh, we'll do some, you know, some dove hunting, uh, the turkey hunting. Those will be in quarters one and two on the Sportsman Channel. But the last half of the year, it'll be uh, some type of uh, bird shooting. Uh huh. Okay. Well, we talked about uh, pigeon and dove uh, last time, but uh, and touched on decoying ducks just a little bit. But a lot of our listeners from uh, the Dakotas through Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, uh, they're duck hunters and. Uh, they they really you know work hard at it and uh, some prairie pothole hunting some marsh hunting we got river hunting we've got a lot of lakes um, how do you use spinning decoys effectively for duck hunting well you use them about the same for all those different uh, types of hunting types of locations you you mentioned Dan but uh, the the highest and best use of a spinning wing decoy is long range attraction. Uh-huh. Uh, those birds that we're try- trying to hunt with them that are attracted to a spinning wing decoy, you know, they can see that scroll or flash or whatever you want to call it is given off by those wings for much, much farther than they can see any other type of motion. So that's their, their, their greatest benefit because a, a bird that's flying in the air that wasn't going to come close enough to your decoy set in order to see your decoy set can see that flash and they will typically divert over that way and it'll give you a chance to work a bird that you wouldn't have had a chance to without uh, now when birds are not pressured and they haven't been hunted early season further north than we are down here in Louisiana they also uh, function as a good finishing decoy but mm-hmm. that's not their main use you know the, the hunter will do better he'll always remember I need that spinning I need those spinning wings out there for the long range attraction uh huh and in addition to the spinning wings, uh, I mentioned last uh, last time we had you on that you make a, uh, a number of other decoys, uh, and one of them is, I forget what you call it, but it's a, a duck tipped up and feeding, and it's uh, just causing ripples and, you know, agitating the water, basically. Uh, those yeah, are... 
we make a couple of those. We make a, a, a vibrating duck, a Ripper duck. We actually partners with uh, Duck Commander. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm from Monroe there, from West Monroe, uh, on it. And it just adds some uh, a movement on the water surface. Uh, and, uh, you know, you have more wind up in your country than we do down here in the deep south. And typically uh, down here, when you start at daylight, there's not going to be any wind. That mm. water's going to look like glass on top. And your decoys don't look very natural doing that. So it just adds a little water in there. And then we have another one uh, that we call the uh, flyway feeder that has it operates off a bilge pump. And it will tip that uh, build, it, tip that butt. It's a butt-up decoy to tip it back and forth and spray water out and make ripples on the ground. All that's just intended to make uh, a static set of decoys look more lifelike. Uh-huh. You know, in the old days, we used to just uh, take a handful of pebbles and throw a uh, uh, a couple of pebbles uh, when ducks would come, you know, near just to cause ripples in the water. But uh, yeah, that's a much a more sophisticated way of doing it. Yeah, a jerk string does wonders. Sure, sure. And um, you got to sit there and pull it all morning. So yeah. that's the reason they motorize it. But think of it like this. If if, if we get out of the blind, go wait out the decoys, or we send the decoy out there, birds will typically come at that time. They just see the motion. Uh-huh. And from a long way off, they can't identify what it is. But ducks are said to be able to see motion about three and a half times better than they can see steel objects. Mm. I don't know who came the 3.5, and I don't know if it's exactly right or not. But we do know that they can see that motion better than they can see steel objects. So unless you've got enough wind to uh, you know have your decoys dancing around some, you need to do something in your spread to add some motion both to the decoys and to the water. Yeah, and now uh, Mini Flags is another one of your products. How do they work? Well, that, that's a dry field uh, tactic. And uh, actually, uh, you know, if you goose hunt it and you it's dig up in your part of the world, yep. uh, goose hunt, you know, that they are really attractive from a long distance to flagging. That's right. Uh, and, uh, but, you know, as the geese get closer, you have to quit flagging because you're, you're just concentrating their sight on the you and the, flag that you're moving, so people typically have to quit flagging at some distance, so you don't have the opportunity to actually finish or land those geese, so when we developed the little flickers uh, uh, type decoys, one thing we proved in that was the motion doesn't necessarily have to be in the decoy itself, it can be scattered throughout the decoy spread and the, and the birds can't tell the difference, so it's little mini flags mm-hmm. intended to uh, replicate what a goose flag looks like, and you scatter them through the Get them to the decoys. It makes them static decoys look like they're moving. Hmm. And and it works as well for ducks as it does for geese. You know, we worked them on just uh, mallard ducks, and and they did great. But it's just a it's a, it's a simulation of the of the hand flag that's a motorized, b scattered through the decoys to look more natural. Sure. Okay. And as you say, uh, when the geese start uh, making their approach, you you got to put that flag down. So. Um, uh, so, so that's a good way to keep the motion going. Well, before we let you go, I know you got, you could probably tell dozens of hunting stories, but have you got a, a, a waterfowl hunting story that you'd like to share with us? Well, uh, I, I, I don't know if I can pull a, a, a specific hunt up or not, but I can tell you this. I'd much rather hunt up in your country than down here in my country because these birds have been so pressured. <laughs> and we, we've hunted Alaska, we've hunted in Alaska, and we've hunted, uh, uh, in the, in, in the southern uh, Canada prairies right above you. And, and so, you know, the, the greatest hunting that we go on 
is is up there where the birds have not been pressured so much, and you can actually decoy them. Down here, it's trial and error, trial and error, trial and error, trying to see if you can get them to do what you want them to do, and and you have the opportunity where you are to actually decoy ducks. Yeah, well, and uh, we will do our best to uh, not educate too many to. Uh uh, shoot, shoot a few before they get, uh, past us and get south to you. But I'm sure you'll have plenty of good hunting when your season opens later this fall. Uh, should be. Yes, sir. Well, Terry, thank you so much for talking with us. Uh, and, uh, I'd like to have you on again sometime. Maybe, maybe come turkey season because I know you got turkey decoys. We have turkey decoys. You know, we're the guy that got the, we have that scoot and shoot decoy, you know, we, we do the aggressive style of hunt, you know, we locate a tom and go at him with the decoy and, uh, that's a pretty exciting way to hunt. Uh, I have seen videos of it, yes, uh, and I've had, uh, I've had turkeys practically attack my decoy so I, c- I can imagine, uh, you know, what it's like to be out there crawling with them. So, uh, we'll, we'll plan on talking to you again come spring. That sounds great. All right. Terry Denman is uh, the host of Mojo TV on the Sportsman Channel and Mojo Migration TV on the Pursuit Channel. His company is MojoOutdoors.com. You can find out all about these spinning wing decoys we've been talking about, some great videos, uh, strategies on how to use them for uh, uh, waterfowl and for doves and pigeons, and a lot more. So check it out. I'm Dan Small. More Outdoors Radio right after this. For the nonprofit Ruffed Grouse Society, the well-being of the ruffed grouse and American woodcock is a special priority. But the Society's conservation work benefits more than just these two game birds. The organization's programs help a long list of other young forest wildlife, including songbirds that must have thick, brushy habitat to survive. For more information about forest wildlife habitat management, contact the Ruffed Grouse Society toll-free at 888-JOIN-RGS. Since our inception, Huntworth has worked relentlessly to incorporate innovative technologies and forward-thinking design into affordable camouflage apparel. Our gear, designed with the disruption camel pattern, utilizes computer-generated graphics featuring a high level of random and abstract visual noise to help you remain undetected in the environment. So whether you need the latest in hunting gear technology or clothing that just simply fits your lifestyle, Huntworth Gear is what you're looking for. HuntworthGear.com. That's HuntworthGear.com. Get outside and let us be your guide. Lawrence County, Wisconsin. Are you looking for a safe Northwoods destination for outdoor recreation? Florence County has over 200,000 acres of uncrowded public land with 160 miles of wooded ATV trails, many lakes and rivers to fish or paddle, seven wild river waterfalls to hike to, horse trails with campgrounds, and friendly bars and restaurants. Go to the ExploreFlorenceCounty.com lodging, dining, and recreation tabs to plan your trip. Flow has made world-class recreational and utility trailers for 39 years, and the industry-leading innovations keep on coming. Choose an all-aluminum UT model or CargoMax, the only utility trailer with a molded polymer bed, integrated sides, and an engineered aluminum frame. With either one, you'll know you don't have just any old trailer. If a new trailer's on your mind, check out floeintl.com. Flow trailers, where the rubber meets the road. You'll enjoy good old-fashioned pheasant hunting at Cackle Creek Game Preserve in Ashapen, Wisconsin. 
Cackle Creek offers guided and do-it-yourself hunts for pheasants, bobwhite quail, and chuckers in cover ranging from grasslands, creek bottoms, and marsh to sorghum and a variety of grain fields. Or book a tower shoot for your group event or charity. Let the good times fly with good birds, good cover, and good old-fashioned pheasant hunting at Cackle Creek, online at cacklecreek.net. Welcome back to your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. I'm Jeff Kelm. We're brought to you by Cedar Lake Sales on Highway 33 West in West Bend on the web at cedarlakesales.com. And uh, outside storage is available if you're looking to get that boat stored. They also have everything you'll need to winterize your boats, and you can bring it in and let them do it as well. We're also brought to you by Remy Battery, family-owned and operated since 1931, serving Milwaukee, Escanaba, and Houghton. Let's start something. RemyBattery.com. By Huntworth Gear, high-tech camel wear at a price you can afford. HuntworthGear.com. And by Flow International Utility and Recreational Trailers. Flow Trailers, where the rubber meets the road. FlowINTL.com. And if you happen to miss an episode of our TV show, Outdoor Wisconsin, you can watch any show from the past several seasons at milwaukeepbs.org. And I mentioned Deer Hunt Wisconsin. I'm shooting footage for the uh, 2021 show, but you can still watch last year's show online on our Deer Hunt Wisconsin YouTube channel. Our radio show is available online all the time. Go to lake-link.com, go to their outdoor radio page, and you can listen to this show and past shows up to about a year from uh, a year ago, you can find Dan on social media uh, all uh, all week long at Dan Small Outdoors. You can find me at Hardwater Jeff. And we haven't talked about this uh, recently, but the MEPS company in Anago, Wisconsin, is buying squirrel tails that they use to make uh, the dressing on the, the treble hooks on their spinners and other fishing lures. They'll buy them from you, or you can trade them a number of squirrel tails for lures. To uh, get details, visit MEPSmeps.com, and you can see the story on MEPS in the fall issue of Wisconsin Natural Resources Magazine. I don't know if you saw that, Jeff, but it's an interesting story about Todd Sheldon, how he brought MEPS from France to the United States, so, gosh, about uh, 60 years ago, 60, mm-hmm. 70 years ago. It's a very cool story. It's uh, it's neat, and, and my son, Robert, uh, desperately wants to go shoot some squirrels and uh, send some tails in and... He wants to trade them for lures, so. Yeah, well, you're not going to get a lot of lures, but you get a few squirrels, and, you know, it'll be worth it. He'll love it. He'll love it. And if you're looking for fall color, TravelWisconsin.com. Just uh, search Fall Color Report. They will tell you where the colors are peaking. And I tell you, up here in Bayfield County, they're just getting there. They're probably a week away from peaking. Our theme music is by Warren Nelson. You can hear more of his tunes at warrennelson.com. I'm Dan Small, uh, calling in remotely from Bayfield, Wisconsin, uh, talking with Jeff Kelm, as always. So get outside this weekend, folks, and join us again next week for Outdoors Radio. You've been listening to Outdoors Radio, your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Find more Outdoors Radio online at dansmalloutdoors.com. Brought to you by LakeLink. Your online fishing resource at lake-link.com. In the blue north wind, I'll be trolling home to you. When my wrist gets a little chilly, 
the gunnel When my lazy Ike is just too lazy to lure When the worms go dry In the coffee can, honey I'll be true 